Hey, this is Dr. Tom Rogers coming to you with a weekly podcast. I have a very special guest today that I've been looking so forward to you coming up here for several months. I visited you in your clinic in Asheville, North Carolina. So this is not Dr. Peter Atiyah. That's who, that's who you think it is, don't you? You think this is Dr. Atiyah. This is not Dr. Atiyah, although he reminds me of Dr. Atiyah. You know he's one of my favorite. But actually, this is Dr. Doug Lucas, and he is an orthopedic surgeon, very well trained, and his your story is so unique. I'm going to let you tell it. I mean, I was just fascinated when I heard about you, and I've been following your podcast and, and all your clinics and all that since that time, and we really have a kindred spirit because we think a lot about medicine the same way. Yeah. It's rare to find an orthopedic surgeon like you that has kind of transitioned into functional integrated medicine. So tell me a little bit about yourself first. Yeah, well, first, thanks so much for having us up. I love driving up from Asheville and visiting the, the office up here and seeing what you guys have in, in person. It's great. Um, and thank you for the uh, flattering comment for Dr. Atia. If he happens to see this for some reason, um, I do get that comment a lot. And so I, I'll take it. Thank you so much. Um, so yeah, my story is uh, interesting in some ways, hopefully interesting to your audience. But I started out as an orthopedic surgeon in, in training. I did the traditional medical model, went through residency and finished my fellowship at Stanford and um, started practice as a, an orthopedic surgeon generally would. My subspecialty was in foot and ankle. I took general call treating fractures, which we're going to talk about fragility fractures today. Um, pretty much out of the gate, though, I was a little frustrated by how much I was able to impact my patients, even though we were doing surgery, even though we were fixing fractures and lining things up and people were healing and we were doing a lot of good. I had so many patients coming to me with problems that I had no answer for and as I started practice, my wife started a nutrition business. And you know, in medical school, nothing's really changed over the past several decades. We're not taught much, if anything. And we're taught the wrong things, right? That's true, yeah. And so uh, I watched her start to really help people with nutrition and with lifestyle. And I remember the first time she told me that she reversed somebody's diabetes. And I said, no, you didn't. And as usual, when we disagree, she was right. And, um, and it really got me thinking with these diabetic patients that are coming in with these ulcers and ultimately I'm treating them and then I'm cutting their legs off. You know, I really felt like I was chasing my tail. And so that pushed me to start looking at things differently. Osteoporosis is one of those diseases like diabetes, like dementia prevention, like cardiovascular prevention, where our traditional medical system, as Peter Atia would put it, 2.0, we do a terrible job in that system of preventing these things from happening. Now we do a great job in a lot of ways and in a lot of things, but preventing those things from happening is not one of them. So osteoporosis in particular, I would watch the patients come in typically with a hip fracture uh, or a spine fracture, and I would turn them over to whomever I thought could help them with their osteoporosis. And fortunately we had a great person in that clinic. And as I turned as it turns out, and I found out later, that's really rare. Um, but they weren't getting the care that they needed. And so as I was starting to pursue additional training, I did two more fellowships, one in epigenetics, one in um, anti-aging and metabolic and functional medicine through A4M, got board certified there. And then I was able to finally make this leap from orthopedics into the space that I'm in now, which as Peter Atia would call it, medicine 3.0, it's functional, it's health optimization, it's integrative, it's a lot of things. 
you know, I, I also did my board certification and fellowship through the A4M. And I was just down in Florida uh, a couple of weeks ago. I always love going to the meetings because it's like-minded doctors and, you know, it's just a totally different mindset about how to practice medicine. Sometimes I describe myself as a blend between traditional and alternative, always with a focus on prevention right. and always starting with what you put in your mouth. <laughs> you know, obesity is our major problem in sure. this country, I think. And really, 18 years ago when I formed my own practice, it was really for the sole purpose of um, getting people leaner and healthier and to quit writing all these prescriptions I was writing for metabolic syndrome, right. for their high cholesterol, their high blood pressure, their diabetes. And so it totally changed the way I looked at things. But, you know, you have to be a blend. You have to realize that we do have good medicines out there. And somebody like you, an orthopedic surgeon, can fix things. I was always jealous of my dad and my brother who are general surgeons. You know, you could go in and fix things right there and see a result. You know, as a primary care doctor, you know, it takes sometimes months, years to change somebody you know, but nowadays I really have more people coming into me thanking me for changing their life around simply by weight loss. Or, you know, I got I delved into hormone replacement, and I probably do as much of that as anything, yeah. which we'll talk about. Yeah, a me bit. too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that's that's a passion of mine, and it's brought a whole new spectrum. And I'm just amazed at how many doctors know nothing about hormones, which yeah. are so important right. as you age, and even as a younger person. I mean, we're not talking just about estrogen or testosterone, and we'll talk about the benefits of those mm -hmm. in preventing bone disease, osteoporosis, but also, I mean, you're looking at thyroid, you're looking at adrenals, you're looking at insulin resistance, you're looking at your cortisol right. levels and all that, but uh, I, I just love what you're doing. I mean, I'm so yeah. pumped that an orthopedic surgeon, especially a Stanford orthopedic surgeon, you, know, you got a lot of high academic pearls and for everybody. So I'm really interested in getting in, in on this. Tell, let's talk about bone health a little bit. You yeah. even call your company um, after a bone, right? Yeah. Tell me the name of your company. Yeah. So we, we have, I'll give you a little bit of the background, which is I, when I launched the company, initially we called it Optimal Human Health. And the goal was to help people to optimize their health, obviously, um, but through a comprehensive approach. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that. But about a year into helping people through this platform that we developed, I started having patients with osteoporosis come in to me because of my background in orthopedics. And I recognized that when patients want to improve their bone health, they frequently are afraid of the drugs or have had side effects from the drugs or don't tolerate the drugs or just don't like the approach and they want to do it naturally. Mm -hmm. And when I started really digging into this, I realized, man, this way that we treat people with our health optimization pyramid, this framework is exactly what people need. But they weren't attracted to the company because it had nothing to do with bone health. Mm -hmm. So we created a second kind of either sister company, parallel company, whatever you want to call it, but that's called Optimal Bone Health. And so we have two different, basically URLs, but it's the same team. It's a, it's basically the same approach, different labs, potentially different functional testing, different coaching modalities, but ultimately we're using the same framework. Mm -hmm. So optimal bone health. Yeah. Well, you know, I have a lot of patients that come to me and I probably see equal male and female hmm. and I'm known as the hormone replacement person to come yeah. to around this area. 
And I get, you know, so I do bone density scans, and sometimes I'm a little wary about them. I don't know if I trust them or not. And then, you know, the guidelines say I should put somebody on bisphosphonate, which, like Fosamax, which I wouldn't want to be on if it was me, sure. unless I had to. I think there's better options. But tell me, you know, I tell my patients when they when they ask me, hey, my doctor said I have osteoporosis. Um, they've put me on Fosamax. Um, is there a more natural way to do it? And I always say, well, the first thing I would do is think about exercising more and maintaining a, a normal weight. But I'll also talk about taking vitamin D with K, mm-hmm. vitamin K2, MK7. Right. Right. Um, and, I, and I say, have we looked at your hormones? I mean, your hormones have so much to do with your bone health, especially women. I mean, women really with estrogens, they have a kind of a tough road to hoe. Men are easy to treat. Women, they have so many hormonal factors. The reason they don't have heart attacks before age 50 is because of estrogen. Right. The reason they have bone fractures, hip fractures, after age 50 is because of lack of estrogen. The reason they have dementia, 4 to 1 over men, is because of lack of or loss of that estrogen. Right. And yet they fear estrogen right. because they think it's going to cause breast cancer. Right. And it's totally not true. <laughs> uh, so, you know. They were misled by the women's health initiative. I know. I talk about I talk about that study all the time. Yeah. Dr. Atia, I love his commentary on the WHI. As a matter of fact, he thinks it did more damage to our health care than right. even COVID nineteen. Well, and he recently did a podcast with one of the primary authors of yep. the WHI. I watched if that. You heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So I um I, I totally agree. And so I'll just take a step back and let me just explain the framework that we built for for osteoporosis, which is when we when people come in, they have that same that same history, right? So this is typically our, our perimenopausal, early postmenopausal, fifty to fifty five year old woman. She gets screened for whatever reason, because that's actually early to get screened for osteoporosis, uh, technically, not in my opinion. And um, and we'll have a surprise diagnosis, right? And then she goes to her primary care or internal medicine or rheumatologist or endocrinologist or whoever, and they recommend typically a bisphosphonate out of the gate. There is about an 80% failure rate of those drugs because people don't want to take them. And then they end up doing nothing, <laughs> which is not serving them either. And so those are the patients that come to us and they say, is there something else I can do? So what we designed as a framework for this is to say, look, bisphosphonates have a role. I don't like them. I don't prescribe them. There is potentially a role. And we can talk about that. Um, but ultimately I want to know why are you losing bone? Is it only because you lost estrogen or did you never have good peak bone mass to begin with? Do you have gut dysfunction? Are you not eating well? Are you not absorbing well? Um, are you getting adequate protein? What kind of diet are you following? Right. Talk about the supplements. And so there's so many different levers that we can pull, but we got to know what's wrong. And that's where I think the failure is in the traditional medical model, which is DEXA, which is, you know, we're only looking at one thing looks at, it, it mineral density not at bone strength but okay you get a dexa you get the diagnosis they use frax and they get a recommendation to take a drug all right but we still don't know why you're losing bone and so our goal is to create this again we created this framework so we call it the 4r method and we just we had to call it something so so the 4r method we want to recognize why you're losing bone reverse those causes of bone loss retest to make sure you're headed in the right direction and then revive your life and live without the fear of fracture. I love the four R's. The four R's. Yeah. And, and so part of that is often a discussion of hormones because 
most again, these women are perimenopausal, postmenopausal. They are going to predictably lose estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. So my spin on the Women's Health Initiative is, and I've, I've written about this. I'm writing a book. I've written a book, and it's it'll hopefully wait. come out in a couple of months. Can't wait to get it. And, and I have a whole chapter on this. And when you dig into the Women's Health Initiative, and, and Peter Atia's podcast, they go into depth on this. You think about the two arms of this, this massive study. And for those that don't know what the study is, this came out in the early 2000s. Hundreds of thousands of people hundreds of millions of dollars, right? These are big studies that aren't often done. I mean, we're lucky to have studies like this that are being done. But when you look at the arms of this study, particularly around the hormones, they had two main arms that I'm going to talk about. One is the, the hormone replacement with both progesterone, and I'm using quotes for those that aren't watching this, progesterone and estrogen. And, and then they had an estrogen only arm. Mm -hmm. They stopped the progesterone and estrogen arm early because of a fear of increased overall mortality. That overall mortality was a subtle increase in the risk of invasive breast cancer, a subtle risk of the increase of other cancers, but also protective of other cancers. Um, and then there was a uh, not quite yet clinically significant risk of increased cardiovascular risk. But if you think about what I just said, there was that arm, and then there was the arm with estrogen only. The estrogen only arm did not have that signal. And so they stopped it early. They said, there's an increased risk of breast cancer with this hormone replacement. Everybody should stop. And this is, and this is not what they said, but this is what was taken away, which is everybody should come off of hormone replacement because of the risk of breast cancer. And I went to medical school. I started in 2005. So this, the, the message I heard was, estrogen equals breast cancer. Yep. But yet this, the limb of the study they stopped had a synthetic progesterone and an oral estrogen. And then the oral estrogen arm, they didn't stop because it wasn't. And when that one was finished, it showed a slight, but uh, decreased risk of breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then if you think about what they were on in the combined arm, it was a synthetic progesterone. It was medroxyprogesterone acetate, MPO, Provera. Yeah. And it was Premarin, which is an oral mm -hmm. synthetic from horses yeah. that's compounded into an estrogen for women. And so it's not bioidentical. Yeah. So you had these two synthetic products. Now that we have studies after this, we know that Provera will increase the risk of breast cancer, will increase the risk of blood clot, and so will oral estrogen. Yeah. So wait. So why did we take people off of hormone replacement in the 2000s? And I see this over and over again, that women from then on who were going through a menopause, either they had no discussion, the discussion was it's the risk is too high, and they don't talk about the risk of a fracture, the risk of loss of independence, the risk of, you know, what, is a, what does a hip fracture mean? And the statistics are absolutely frightening. So you're trading an unknown risk for a known risk that is much worse. Yep. Dr. Pam Smith talked about that in Florida a few weeks ago mm -hmm. about how it's you're much more likely to die of a fractured hip Absolutely. than breast cancer. I mean, I don't it's multiple times. Right. Plus when you look at the study, they medroxyprogesterone was the culprit. And even with that, you went from having four women per thousand come down with breast cancer to five women per thousand right. on medroxyprogesterone 
and they termed that a 25% increase. So it was a totally misleading <laughs> thing. Right. So it turned women off of hormone replacement, which they desperately need. Yeah. I mean, as those hormones decline, we decline. You know, from not only your bones, but your brain, your muscles, your energy. I mean, and we're living a long time. Right. That's what I tell my patients, you know. If you want to live that second half of your life with quality, you better think about hormone replacement done yeah. in a safe way. Because like you just said, with estrogen, there's a less likely chance that you'll have breast cancer. I can't tell you how many times people come to me and I broach the idea of hormone evaluation replacement. They said, no, I can't do that because my aunt had breast cancer. Right. I'm thinking, well, I've got to go in through this discussion with right. you again, which again. I do. <laughs> you know, and they end up wanting it of course but yeah. of course we don't use oral estrogens and we don't you know we use creams pellets um, we do we do use an oral natural progesterone which is totally different than madroxy progesterone right which a lot of even gynecologists don't know i mean it's amazing how right. much misinformation is out there with hormones pharmaceutical influence yeah because it's it, it it is commercially available and yet people don't talk about it most physicians are not prescribing it, but we do the same thing. So we, we're using a, a bias cream and we're using oral progesterone, yep. micronized progesterone yep. capsules, yep. not a synthetic progestin, yep. and they're totally different compounds. And it changes these women's lives. Absolutely. Um, it's so interesting. So what else? So tell me, say a woman, because I've seen, I don't have anybody on Fosamax either because they just can't tolerate it. They don't yeah. want to take it. Right. Plus, I don't think it builds the right kind of bone anyway, does it? Yeah, gosh. So if you think about the bisphosphonate drugs, and, and I have, a, again, I have a whole chapter on this to, um, you know, when, when and who for drugs. So bisphosphonates are popular because they have a profound impact on bone mineral density. But just like you said, is it building the right kind of bone? And we know that if people stand bisphosphonates for longer than the recommended time, which is either three years, five years, seven years, depends on the drug, we know that their bone mineral density will continue to go up, but the benefit of the risk of fracture starts to go down. And that's because you are creating dense, fragile bones, mm -hmm. right? They are more like chalk, more like concrete without rebar, because you are essentially stopping the bone metabolism balance. You're poisoning the cells that break down bone, the osteoclasts. And, and what I find, because I do, I do bone turnover markers on everybody. So when you poison the osteoclasts, the osteoblasts, the buildup cells, they stop too. So you essentially just halt bone metabolism. Your bone mineral density will go up because your osteoclasts aren't doing anything. But eventually you'll be subject to atypical fractures, other fractures that you wouldn't normally get. Um, and the, the scary one for me is the osteonecrosis of the jaw. It's rare, but it is devastating. Yeah, yeah. So give me some guidelines here about when you should get tested with a density test, which one yeah. you would get. And if you had to go on a, a drug, would you? which one would you choose first, if any? Yeah. I know, I agree, I would do all the other stuff first. Sure. But occasionally you may have to use something and they may insist on it. You know, you want to work with patients sure. and other physicians. But so tell me when you think they ought to start getting these bone mineral density tests, what kind, and when to when to use a medicine for it. Yeah, in I, your I think guys, this is a tough a tough public health perspective because when is the right time to know your bone mineral density? Honestly, it's in your mid twenties, right? So our peak bone mineral density occurs early in adulthood, and it would be helpful to know 
if you had osteopenia at 22, which a lot of, a lot of women do, um, and men too, it would be helpful to know because then you could be more aggressive. You would know that, hey, restrictive diets, probably not a good idea. You know, watch your hormones very carefully. Oral birth control, terrible. Don't do it. Um, you would need to prevent those things from impacting your bones over time. Realistically, getting every 25-year-old a DEXA scan from a public health perspective is impossible. So when is the right time? Well, know, know if you're at risk, understand what those risk factors are, and we have them all listed on our website, um, and, and then get, get a DEXA if you need to. And the reason why I keep saying DEXA is because DEXA is universally available. Mm -hmm. Is it the best test out there? Probably not, but it is the only test that most people have access to. It's relatively inexpensive. The radiation dose is extremely low. It gives you some information. Do you think that they ought to calculate the muscle density and fat density as well? I mean, I, I like to see that data, but most people aren't going to know what to do with it. Um, so I think if you were, if you are trying to do this on your own and so many people are just knowing what your T score is, is a starting point. Yeah. And knowing that that, that diagnosis for osteoporosis is a T score of negative 2.5 or lower, meaning more negative. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that osteopenia, which isn't actually a diagnosis, but a thing. Uh, between negative one and negative 2.5. But understanding that just because you have osteoporosis, severe osteopenia, um, doesn't mean that you're necessarily at as high a risk of fracture as that score might indicate, because it doesn't tell us about strength. When you got in the surgery and you operate on these hips, yeah. could you kind of tell who was on oh, a bisphosphonate man. or not? Yeah, it's, it, it, it is like chalk and i'm sure you remember probably in your training you know when you're when you're physically touching a body you're feeling tissue you can tell you know you can feel a diabetic's tissue is different than somebody who's met metabolically well somebody that has osteoporosis their bone literally feels like marshmallow right like you can you can compress it it is scary somebody that's on a bisphosphonate that has that has that very hard chalky bone, same thing. You making the entry point for a hip fracture and it just like, it just splinters. And yeah, it, it changes so much about the body and you can palpably feel it. If you had to use a, a medication, you know, you see it on TV all the time, which is one beef I have with our system is yeah. every other commercial is about a drug right. that you need. Yeah. Right. And you yeah. probably don't need it. But anyway, so it's we're kind of ruled by the pharmaceutical industry in a way. Our health care sure. is, unfortunately. I don't think commercials should be done at all. Right. And that's relatively recent, right? Yeah. When did that yeah. pass? It wasn't that long ago. No. I mean, you never saw that yeah. before. But right. in any event, if you had to use a drug, now they have the infusions, you know, they have the yeah. shots. What would you choose, if any? Yeah, so I, I look at these kind of in three categories. So there's the anti-resorptives, which is all bisphosphonates and prolia or um, denosumab is the, the generic for that. And all of the bis, all of the anti-resorptives will stop osteoclast function almost completely. Um, they will have an impact on osteoblast function as well. So when to use these drugs? I would say if you are in a bone loss free fall and you can't stop it. And those people are going to be people that have breast cancer that are being treated with, you know, anti-estrogen therapies and we can't use estrogen, right? right? Um, people that have other reasons for rapid bone loss, you know, chronic steroid use other, a lot of times, iatrogenic <laughs> issues, but there are, I think there's a reason to stop osteoclast function. 
Um, I don't like necessarily the IV versions because the half-life is so long. That drug's going to be in there for a really long time. Um, and then I look at the anabolic drugs. So drugs like Forteo, drugs like Temlos. These are, are parathyroid hormone analogs that are mm -hmm. pulsed daily. And when you do that, you are not messing with osteoclasts at all you're pushing osteoblast function up. Mm -hmm. So these drugs are for people that I think have a very high risk of fracture that can't wait to see how a more natural approach is going to pan out. Um, I, have a, I have a few patients that are on these drugs, so I do prescribe them rarely, but these are patients that have very low T-scores, you know, negative four and, and beyond, um, and they're the primary caregiver for their family. They, they cannot fracture. Um, so we say, Hey, look, let's use the cool medicine that we have and let's bump this thing up. Right. Mm -hmm. We'll do all the other stuff too, mm -hmm. but we're going to do this because it's not impeding our metabolic function of our bone. And then there's the third class, which is kind of the, the newer space. So like Avenity is, is the new, the, the new drug on the market. And it is utilizing the technology of, um, uh, of antibodies. So it is actually going after sclerostin, which is a, a protein that is, uh, it's in the, the kind of the bone metabolism pathway actually in the osteocytes. Um, and it will impact both sides. So it'll slow down osteoclast function. It'll increase osteoblast function. Um, the only downside to that is that it's relatively new. Don't really know what the long-term impact is, but for somebody who is suffering continuous fractures, right? The person who just had a compression fracture is trying to get better and then just had another one, right? They are just breaking, breaking, breaking. Avenity will stop it cold, right? So then the, the risk is outweighed by the benefit there. That is so interesting. You know, your knowledge of bone health is unlike any I've ever taught. I've never talked to anybody that had that kind of knowledge about bone health. But so you have these women that and men too. I mean, men. You think men should be tested with bone density? Absolutely. I see anybody it with low T needs it, right? Right. Which is most people, right? I mean, yeah. you, you're testing testosterone. I'm testing even my 30 and 40 year old patients. Their testosterone's 300, 400. They don't have any estrogen. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you can. Have you ever seen anybody with too low an estrogen? A uh, man. A man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I mean, too. I see yeah, I see it all the time. Yeah, because we only get estrogen from our testosterone. Yeah. If yeah. their testosterone is low, they're not going to have any estrogen. They're going to have low estrogen. And when you look at that on your on your blood test, you go, look, you don't have any estrogen. You not only don't have any testosterone, right. you need some estrogen just like women do. It protects right. your heart. It protects your bones. It protects your brain. So that perks them up a little bit, I think, when you say that. But, uh, we, of course, we do a lot of testosterone replacement. Yeah, and that's the other thing a lot of people don't realize. Women need testosterone just like men do. Well, and I, I have providers uh, that are colleagues of mine that will actually only use testosterone because of that fear of estrogen and then just let sure. it convert to estrogen. Sure. I, I have concerns about how high the testosterone gets at that point, um, you know, but they're, they're looking at overall health and they're saying, look, testosterone is going to impact all these other things and it's going to convert to estrogen, which is going to have that benefit for bone health too. I'm like, well, that's, that's not unreasonable. We just use all three in lower doses. Yeah. Like for women with breast cancer that are over a year out, I use testosterone pellets mm. on them which has been shown to reduce the recurrence of breast cancer. Um, and so there's some interesting people up north doing studies on that right now. But And really, of all the hormones that makes you feel better, it's testosterone. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. unless you're having hot flashes, night sweats, then you need the natural estrogen progesterones. But 
testosterone is what they really thank you for, oh, yeah. male or female. Right. Yep. And it's certainly impactful on your bone health, too, as well. And you're right. The only person that I'm hesitant to use testosterone by itself in a woman is one that has known placking of her arteries. Mm-hmm. So I always do a CT calcium scoring on them mm-hmm. before I'll put them on testosterone alone. And then I'll watch the estrogen levels as well. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, I'm trying to think of anything else. I love your approach to this thing as far as overall health. Too, and you do it all. You do other stuff too because you it's not just yeah. bone stuff. And, right. Well, it's, and so I mentioned the, the foundation was actually through Optimal Human Health. And I mentioned the 4-Hour Framework Really what that does is it feeds into our health optimization period with pyramid, which you're going to love. So when we bring people in, it doesn't matter what their, their starting position is. Cause we have people that are, you know, high functioning CEOs. I have professional athletes that I, that I treat wherever you are, there's always more to do, right? You could always be better. And so I love this, this approach because we look at, okay, where are you? What are your goals? Let's clearly define them. And then we use this pyramid framework to say, well, what's happening with your lifestyle? What's happening with your sleep? What's happening with your nutrition? What's happening with your exercise? And then the spiritual component, right? And we, and we dig into this part, right? And, and people are, they're surprised. But I have patients where that's the, that's the missing thing. Yeah. 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 And then above that is supplementation, targeted though, based off of testing. And then above that would be hormone optimization or replacement, and then peptides, and then pharmaceuticals if needed, and usually not, right? Because once you go through all those things, you don't need them. Yeah. I, I and agree. so we, we bring, you know, the bone health patients come in focusing on their bone health. That's obviously focus one on our report. But once they've done, been in it for a year, then it starts to drop down, right? We're like, oh, well, let's focus on dementia prevention or, oh, you know, everybody in my family has died of a heart attack. Well, let's get a coronary artery calcium score or a CCTA yep. and let's figure out what's happening with your lipids, right? And we just kind of keep going down this pathway and people fall in love with it. Yeah, they, they, want, they want optimal health because when they come in to me and they say, well, my doctor said that was normal, that fell within normal limits, which really to me means nothing. Nothing. You want optimal health. I, I love your approach to this. There's so many different things to think about. A lot of times a patient will come to me for something different and I'll say, that's not your main problem. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the main problem right. that you have. You know, you're smoking. <laughs> you might as well not do anything if you're smoking. You've got to quit that first. Yeah. Or, you know, you're really, you've got obesity. You've got prediabetes. You have insulin resistance. We have to deal with that first. Right. You have gut dysfunction. We're not going to get anywhere unless we straighten your gut out. Right. And a lot of times that takes time and effort. And in a society like you, I liked your quote where we're taught to hone our scalpels and thicken our prescription pads. Yeah. Isn't that what you said? Yeah, I've said uh, that. That's in yeah. your website. And yeah. I love that because that's so true of, of the way medicine's practiced. It's just no wonder people are losing faith. I read in the Wall Street Journal today an article about how many people have lost faith in the medical system yeah. in the last three years. It's just like oh, yeah. 30% of people have faith sure. in our healthcare system. Yeah. Well, we've, we have, we have failed. I mean, we were, we were on our way, right? And then it has gotten precipitately worse as doctors are afraid to really say what they think, right? To really step out. You know, I've stepped out of the box and I get a lot of criticism. I'm yeah. sure you do too. Yeah. Right. And I've been censored you know, several times. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, my orthopedic peers who are looking at what I'm doing and they're saying, can I send people to your website? But are you sure you should be doing this? <laughs> you yeah. know, and I'm like, well, wait, do you want it or not? You know, um, and it is it's challenging as a doctor who is fearful 
of getting censored, of losing their job, of losing their malpractice coverage, right? I mean, I, I got censored by my malpractice company for talking about nutrition. That's right? unbelievable. They sent me a, a physical cease and, I wish I'd saved it, a physical cease and desist order from them to say, you are not trained to talk about nutrition. That's just unbelievable to yeah. me. I yeah. mean, that just freaks me out. It's just so wrong. You know, I'm old. I practiced for 38 years, and I'm not scared to step out and, you know, say what I think. Yeah. And, and one thing my dad taught me was that if you're not sure what to do, do something. Mm-hmm. You know, you re- there's a way to get around a lot of things. You just have to think outside the box. I mean, it's time-consuming. It's Our job's harder than the average doctor because we really have to do a lot more research. We're not just listening to a commercial or a drug rep and try this. That is, you know, I mean, we, and we're, we're both creating content and I'm, I'm really into writing YouTube scripts right now. And, and so a, a great example is I was just researching, you know, different types of calcium supplementation, right? And like the, the statements that are listed on websites and how kind of fraudulent they are. You know, and so I say that boldly, but it's it's yeah. true. You know, research that they, they say is, you know, this great foundational groundbreaking study that the company that they work for sponsored. I'm like, well, that's a little biased, you know, and the design wasn't very good. And the outcomes actually were not based off of the thing that you're saying, you know, and it's just like breaking those things down takes the depth of knowledge that we have, but then being able to deliver that to patients, it's tough. And, um, I mean, I, I applaud you for what you're doing because you're, you're taking this to that next level, that healthcare 3.0 level that, that Peter. Yeah. About. I love what, what he just bust up some of these studies, <laughs> you know, he bust the, and he'll, he'll go to the source and he, I really love the way he does things. And I love the way you do things too. Let me ask you, so your book's coming out in a month, right? What's the name of the book going to be? I haven't decided yet. I haven't decided yet. So you'll have to look it up by my name. Um, it's going to be something about osteoporosis. So if you look up Dr. Doug Lucas and osteoporosis, you'll find it. It'll be on Amazon as, as we're self-publishing going that route. Um, and then if you want to find us in the meantime, our web uh, our website is a great resource for people that are looking for information on bone health. We have a lot of free information on there and that's optimalbonehealth.com. And then the YouTube channel under my name, Dr. Doug Lucas, we're, we're spending a lot of time, energy resources, creating that content and people. So people can do telemedicine with you. Yeah. So we are, we are a nationwide telehealth practice. We don't really have much of a brick and mortar. Um, and so we don't see anybody in person. We are, my, my team is, interspersed throughout the country we look for the best of the best i don't care where they live time zones get challenging but i just hired a pa and she lives in austin texas i love it i love that you know things have changed somewhat for the better in the last three years because crossing state lines and things like that so there's a couple good things that have come out of it i mean so the pandemic did a lot for the healthcare system and it damaged it and i think reputation wise in, in some ways but i think the ability for us as physicians to step across state lines I built this company in 2020 and leveraged the change in telehealth law, right? It was all abandoned. So I was going to build a brick and mortar. I was struggling with the capital to do that. And then I realized, oh shoot, I don't need to, right? And so I don't think there are some things that are changing, particularly with testosterone and controlled substances, but there will be ways to continue to deal with that. We're prepared to do that. We now have the team and the resources to to do that. So yeah, it's, you know, the silver lining of a bad thing. You should go to Dr. Doug Lucas's website and touch bases with him if you need a consultation. It's available by telemedicine, which I love. Um, I'm just so happy that you came in here today 
and what you're doing. I mean, I really admire you so much for how you change your practice and the way you're really helping people out. Because really, that's why we got into medicine. We wanted to help people, that's didn't right. we? That's right. That, that's the reason we got into it. Yeah. And it's turned in so much of a a greedy, you know, cookbook thing. It's totally different than it was from years ago. But I like your your the way you're doing things. I want to give you a big fist bump right. on that. Thank you for everything you're doing and thank you for coming on our show. We'll try to do this again if you'll allow it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll come up anytime. Thank you, Doug. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Thanks. We'll see you next week. This has been fantastic. Mm-hmm.